Today's reading is taken from Paul's letter to the Galatians, which is found on page uh, 1105 in the Green Bibles, chapter 3, starting at the 26th verse. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I'm saying is that as long as heirs are underage, they are no different from slaves, although they own the whole estate. They are subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by their fathers. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer slaves, but God's children. And since you are his children, he has made you also heirs. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Brilliant. Harry, thank you very much for reading. A word of prayer, just as we begin. Father, we've kind of sung and Alan's uh, prayed on our behalf. We need you to fill us with your spirit, your love, to empower us, to envision us, to inspire us, to challenge us. We know something of you, of your great story, and how that plays out in our lives, and how we long to involve others in your great story of love and faithfulness and commitment to them. Help us now, equip us, release us. For Jesus' sake, amen. You'll see from the little uh, service sheet and the, the little insert as well, telling others, expanding the truth. We're, we're thinking about evangelism. So if you're uh, visiting here or uh, you've been away the last few weeks, that's where we are at the moment. Um, and uh, last week, I was just totally upfront. Most of us, when we say evangelism, it, it elicits some kind of fear or reaction. Oh, no, you know, anyone but me. Here I am, Lord, send someone else, that kind of thing. Uh, and we kind of freeze up. But what I was trying to uh, unpacked last time was that evangelism, I wanted to suggest that evangelism, the, the articulating the story of God, speaking and declaring the, the story of God and describing his kingdom is easier within the sense, uh, within the context of mission. And that as we go out and do the things of God, act in Jesus' name to bring about you know, his mercy, his grace, his love, his justice, 
It sows the seed, if you like, lays the foundation for uh, us to be able to describe what's going on, which is evangelism, telling the things of God. There are one or two um, books, actually all of these I've plucked off the the kind of bookcase at the back, what we call uh, the lending library, Explaining Your Faith Without Losing Your Friends, Alistair McGrath. It Makes Sense, Stephen Gorkroger, or Know What You Believe, Paul E. Little. All of these, you can see, they're quite thin books, they wouldn't take long on a beach. Uh, if you just to take them on holiday and read them. But all of those to shore up uh, our understanding, bolster our understanding of what it is that we believe and how we might begin to tell others. I want to offer, if I may, uh, and if I can, a little bit more help today uh, in our ability, all of us, to play our part in the privilege and the responsibility, the duty of evangelism, of telling others. Two things that we can tend to overlook, one thing that we can tend to underestimate. The two things, and these are on the sheet here, that we tend to overlook is, first of all, that every single one of us, common to humanity, is a longing for God. A longing for God. The Bible describes how every single one of us are made in the image of God. That God formed uh, the first people out of the dust of the earth. He breathed into them His breath, His spirit. And they became living beings. There's a sense in which we are only truly alive when we are alive and aware of God. And each and every one of us has that in us. The the writer of the Ecclesiastes says, God has set eternity in in the heart of men and women. That there's something inside of us that longs for more than just the here and now. Although the here and now is good because God made it. But there's something that longs for more, for eternity. Something beyond our finite selves. God has set eternity in the hearts of men and women. Not just the church, who, who formally sort of recognize and respond to what God has done, but to all people. Justin Martyr, who was a, a second century church sort of uh, apologist, he, you know, he helped to explain the faith. And he described uh, humanity as having seeds of God. And for some of us, we're conscious of those seeds having taken root and sprouted. And others, maybe not conscious of that at all. People at work, in our streets and communities. But the seeds are there. They just need the right kind of soil, a little bit of water, a bit of sunshine, nurture. And the seeds of God will grow. Everyone has, deep inside them, a longing, an ache, a hunger, an appetite for God. Second thing that we can overlook possibly, is that every single one of us, us being humanity, exercises faith. Now, we often think that faith is kind of categorized just to the religious sphere, that we only talk about faith within the context of religion or, or you know, Christianity in this particular case. And that if men and women don't exist within the kind of religious sphere, they don't go to church, they're not the religious sort, then they don't have faith. So faith is often positive in terms of either the presence of faith in someone or the absence of faith in someone. Often in conversation, people say, oh, Tim, you know, I really respect your faith. I really, you know, in a sense, I wish I had your faith, they might say. But I, you know, the implication is I haven't got faith. I just want to sort of knock the legs from that myth. It's not true. 
Every single one of us, humanity, exercise faith. Every time we engage in a conversation or a fresh encounter, we meet someone, it's, it's trusting that they will kind of respond back in some way. We, we offer, by way of conversation or gift or something of ourselves, by faith. We don't know that they're not going to punch us in the nose. You don't know that, you, you, so you act in faith. When you step on a bus, you, you trust the fact that the driver has passed his or her driver's license. Uh, you trust that they know where they're going. Unless, unless you are one of those who insists on seeing the driving license of every single bus driver when you go on the bus, and that the sat-nav is working, or they've got a map, or they know where... I mean, unless you're checking out every... You take it on trust. You're exercising faith. You didn't know, but you exercised faith in coming here today. You, did you check that the service was on? How did you know we hadn't cancelled it? You just, you, you operated faith. Did you check the pew before you sat on it? <laughs> Will it take my weight? <laughs> now, you've got a lot of previous experience, some of you, fine. But how did you know today? Faith. In all sorts of different ways, hundreds and thousands of times a day, every single one of us exercises faith. So the issue isn't does X or Y have faith? Yes, they do. They're made that way. The issue is, in whom or in what are they placing their faith? And if it isn't in the one true living God, the author and perfecter of our lives, then in whom is it? More often than not, through all sorts of convoluted ways, actually we place faith in ourselves. That's why pride is one of the most obvious manifestations of human sin because we've placed so much faith in our own ability to live our lives, to manage our lives and to manage the lives of others, to control and to organize. And what we're doing there is basically placing faith in our ability or our skills or our things. We're living based on faith. So everyone has a longing for God. Everyone exercises faith. And I, I hope in some way that makes it maybe perhaps a little bit more easy to consider prayerfully approaching and drawing alongside others with a view to sharing something of what it is that we believe by faith, something of the longings that we have, that we've begun to discover are satisfied in a relationship with Jesus Christ. One thing we can tend to underestimate is the power of story and of storytelling. We're made with brains and minds that can entertain ideas and grapple with propositions. But we live, we find our identity, we find a sense of security and self-understanding in relation to others in the context of story. Preachers can put out propositions, part of my role and my calling, and Will, as well as he joins us here, and one or two others in the congregation who are so gifted, to, to kind of put out ideas and concepts and propositions, much like I'm doing now. I think, in a sense, that's my role and responsibility, part of it, within a community. But I don't, I don't believe we're all called to engage and interact with one another in that particular way. But every single one of us can tell a story. And when we tell stories, they draw others in. They invite engagement and empathy. You, you, you find yourself, you identify yourself within the story. 
Let me tell you a story. Now you sat up. See, even the anticipation of a story. Something interesting from the vicar at last. Not particularly interesting, but it is a story. I was at uh, the Windmill Cafe on uh, Wimbledon Common, you know, just across the way the other day. And uh, I go there every now and then, and it must be that maybe other people buy me a coffee or a tea, uh, because I didn't really know how it worked there. And um, I'd cycled up there, didn't want to carry wallet and everything, so I just took a card. And uh, I thought, I'll buy a tea. I was with, met up with someone else, and I'll buy a tea. I'll just put it on the card, maybe get a pastry or a cake. Uh, it's quite a long queue. It was a nice hot day, a lot of people around, so I queued patiently, waiting. Eventually, it was my turn. I ordered the tea, ordered cake or whatever it was, and produced a card. And the lady on the till said, oh, I'm sorry, we don't, we don't take cards. And I didn't have, she'd already made the tea by now, and the cake was sitting there tantalizingly, whispering to me, telling its own little story, <laughs> inviting me in. And I, I couldn't pay, I didn't have any cash or anything. Oh, that was so frustrating. And then, wonderfully, the lady next to me in the queue who had been queuing said, don't worry, I'll, I'll pay. Are you sure? No, please, I, I, we'll, we'll, we'll fast. <laughs> no, no, I'll, I'll pay. It must be very frustrating. I'll, let me pay. Thank you so much. And so she paid. And we had tea and cake on this lady as we went and sat down. Little story. But have you ever been in that situation? The longing for a cup of coffee, looking for something, looking forward to something? Have you ever been in a situation where you've, you've, you know, you've been frustrated? Oh, I can't pay. I can't have that. Have you ever been in a situation where you've been rescued? Someone's got you out of a hole. It may not be over paying for tea and coffee, but are you able to make that kind of connection? Are you able to resonate with that simple little story and find yourself within it by relating, engaging, empathizing? The power of story to connect with others. The power of story to draw others in. We use story quite a lot in our, our family. Um, if you asked our children when they were a little bit younger, uh, you know, how do you know that you're, you're part of this family? How do you know that you, you, know, you have a place here, that you have a, a, a role that is significant and secure? They kind of look weird. That's a conceptual question. Kids don't get that. They can't answer that question. So what we used to do, we're a little bit old-fashioned in our family. We, we have these old-fashioned things called photo albums. We, we print out the photos and we stick them in these albums. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but what it means we can do, you see, is every now and then after tea or sort of kind of family are together, we can go and get one of the albums from sort of four or five years ago and open it up. And every picture... Thank you. Audience participation, I love it. Every picture, we even know that phrase, every picture tells a story. Just one photo. And we go, oh, do you remember then? Yeah. And all the kids can begin to chip in with their particular... But I remember that. I was this. I'm that, that, that. And everyone has their recollection. And we can affirm that. Darling, that's right. You, you, do you remember that? You did this and you said that. And do you remember when that happened? And we begin to allow the story to unfold. And as the story unfolds of a particular picnic or a time on holiday or a trip we went on, and the in, each child can find their way within that story, so that they know that they belong to the family. They remember the events. It gives them significance and security. They know something of who they are 
Their identity is formed. The values by which they live are formed. All of that out of story. We haven't had to train our children how to tell stories off the back of looking at a photo. It just happens. Every single one of you, you've told a story in this last week to someone about something. Incidental, probably forgotten about it. But you can tell a story. That's how we connect with one another. It's how I want to argue the most effective way in which we can help people to connect their stories with our stories with the great story. So finally, just referring to this sheet. 72 days to go <laughs> until back to church Sunday, the 26th of September, the Sunday after the bishop arrives. Uh, and it kind of there's a little movement around the, the nation. Back to church Sunday. It's an opportunity just to invite people. If they've never really been to church much before, perhaps they went to Sunday school or Christmas or sometime like that, uh, but it's a kind of distant memory. And the idea is, it's not so much people who are completely unchurched as the vast numbers in this country who are still kind of categorized as de-churched. They, they perhaps went to school, uh, went to church with their school or they went to Sunday school or something. And would you consider coming back to church? That's on the 26th of September. 72 days to go until that. And then three days after that is our Alpha course, as Will was uh, alerting us earlier on. 72 days to brush up on three stories, or three elements of story. His story. God's story. Do you know God's story? I'm not going to do this now, but if I was to pick on one or two of you, could you tell me in a few sentences, in two or three minutes, what is the story of God's engagement with his creation, with his people, with you and me? Could, could you rehearse something of the Bible story from creation through to redemption and uh, this future revelation of John? Could you go through the Bible and, and, and tell it in your own words? If I can recommend another book, uh, which I found so helpful, Philip Greenslade, A Passion for God's Story, Discovering Your Place in God's Strategic Plan. Uh, I've got, I'll have this at the, the back, and, uh, and this is my copy. You, you're welcome to, to borrow it, but uh, even better if you get your own. And again, more beach. <laughs> well, only because I want to I wanna keep referring to this. But um, more summer holiday reading, perhaps. Uh, A Passion for God's Story. Are you familiar with his story? That's the big circle here. But secondly, what about your own story? If God's story is uh, centered on Jesus and the people who met Jesus, then what about your story of encountering Jesus? When did you first hear of him, take him seriously, begin to find out more about him? When did you meet him? Have you met him? Where are you now in terms of your story, your circle, if you like, and his circle? Are you, are you coming towards him? Are you, do you find yourself within him? We, the liturgy in a few minutes as we come and rehearse this amazing story of God's provision for us, the demonstration of his love for us, we in him and he in us. Is that your story? And how could you take that sort of religious language 
and, uh, and just nuance it so that it could impact the lives of others. Finally, thirdly, how familiar are you with, I've put their story. These are just um, not necessarily close friends, actually, or uh, family members. It can be quite hard sometimes. Uh, we have to wait for particular moments or opportunities, but it's a contact at work. Someone we stand in the queue at the photocopy or as we're getting coffee from the machine, it's the, the milkman or the postman or people who we kind of roughly know but don't know that well. But what do you know of their story? What have you managed to find out of their story? I love the bit in uh, Luke's Gospel when Jesus, post-resurrection, catches up with the disciples walking on the road to Emmaus. And there's a little phrase we can often overlook it. It just says, Jesus walked with them. And later on, we know he went to unpack the whole of Scripture, to open their eyes and their hearts to the wonders of what God has done through Jesus. But there was a moment before that when he just walks with them. And I imagine he's listening. He's watching their body language. He's listening to the silence as much as he is to any words that are said. He's discerning with the Lord's help. Father, what is their story? And what can I make of what I know of my story to connect with their story so that together we can all live in your big story? Finally, people love an invitation. I remember part of my story is Rick James. I'll never forget Rick James. He was a Christian at my school. He was in a year above me. I'd got to know him. We were in the same football team at school. I thought he was a good bloke. Uh, he was quite good right midfield. Didn't tackle back enough, but otherwise, he was all right. And I was getting to know him. It was in my first term at this school. And uh, I, I began to... It, there was something different about him. He did seem to be such a sort of... I don't know, slightly less acerbic than some of the other guys in the team and in the house and at school. There was something quite approachable about him. I discovered, I just began to discover that he went to this thing called Christian Union. I had no real idea what it was, but it did sound naff. And yet, there was this sort of, in this little story, there's something that doesn't quite tie up, because Rick James isn't naff. Christian Union's naff, but Rick James isn't naff, and Rick James goes to Christian Union. Mm. And it was, as I was sort of, just, whoa, little seed beginning to take root, little seed beginning just to break through. And Rick James says, why don't you come to the next Christian Union meeting? And in the two or three seconds, I just didn't have a good enough answer or a good enough reason to say no. He did the killer blow then. He said, they're free biscuits. <laughs> so I went. And I heard a talk that engaged. Like, I imagine church, boring, irrelevant, just sort of making absolutely no sense. And this guy, he connected with us with a little 10-minute talk. I was hooked. About six months later, I uh, knelt, actually knelt on the ground and committed my life to following the Lord Jesus Christ. And the rest, with one or two ups and downs, as they say, is history. Little story. But it all came out of an invitation. And there are the Alpha invites at the back, and there are some cards, little uh, wallet cards you can use with the date of the Alpha course. Stick them in your pocket. Pray. And as you're thinking about your story within the context of his story, and you come across other people and their story, there are opportunities maybe to invite them to consider afresh the claims of Jesus Christ 
to link their life in his life, that the story might begin. Amen? Amen.